Does being a dad ruin your life? Does it mean endless sleepless nights, no time to yourself, no money, uh, just being frazzled and distracted constantly? Well, we're going to find out on today's episode. That's right. We're going to be talking about fatherhood. Yeah, society has presented an image uh, of fathers as often buffoons and mothers having to come and fix all the problems. And so in today's episode, let's jump right in and learn, does being a dad ruin your life? Before we get to that, we're going to talk about today's handshake, which is spending time with your kids. Fathers uh, are so important to their children's development. In fact, uh, they say that a son loves his mother, but he wants to be like his father. So spending time with your children uh, is an estimable value, whether they're a boy or girl. Yeah. Uh, being a father, uh, spending time with your kids is one of the most important things you can do. And the ways to do this are almost endless. Yeah. Yeah, some of the ways, obviously, uh, wrestling or roughhousing with your sons, going on date nights with your daughters. I know that's been pivotal in my relationship. Building things, uh, both with sons and daughters, actually, and uh, many other things. So being a dad is one of the most gentlemanly things that we've ever had the privilege of doing, and I think men who are not married will ever have the privilege of doing You have to call on all the successes, all the failures, all of the books you've read, all the possibilities, and really prayerfully discern them in appropriately raising your kids. But it's worthwhile, it's rewarding, and uh, and through all the struggles and strife, it is a gentlemanly pursuit. Yes, I mean, being a father is a blessing, okay? It is essential to my identity as a man. Um, but I also think it's important that we acknowledge that there is a cross involved with fatherhood. Fatherhood can be incredibly difficult. It can be incredibly challenging. It can bring you face to face with <laughs> your own weaknesses. Well said. As a man, um, and you know, uh, uh, the struggle of fatherhood is one of the things that will mature you or ruin you faster than anything else because. Uh, it, again, it, it brings all of those insecurities, all those weaknesses to the surface, yeah. and then you have a choice. What are you going to do with that? That's right. um, and it will either sanctify you uh, or turn you into a very selfish person. That's right. And so we have a choice as fathers. Yeah, absolutely. And so, Sam, you and I are both fathers. We're both blessed with that. I'm blessed with um, a lot of siblings uh, that have big yeah. families. I've got... Um, brother-in-law with seven kids. I've got another brother-in-law with eight kids, another mm-hmm. brother-in-law with five. My wife is one of seven. Um, and uh, and I have five kids, right? Yeah. Or I have nine kids, right? Five with me, four already entrusted the infinite love and mercy of God. And those five kids, eight and under, have challenged me in ways that I could never have no book would teach you and yes. <laughs> could never have possibly imagined the yeah. challenging. So we don't want to sugarcoat it. We don't want to pretend like being a father is a how-to A through Z, but um, with the right mindset on, it's it's um, really a, an anointed vocation. 
Yeah, I mean, and and there's uh, let's put it this way: there's nothing more joyful yeah. than family life, and there's nothing more maddening than family <laughs> life sometimes, right. um, because kids just know how to push your buttons and uh, and their joyful exuberance they can drive you crazy sometimes, and yet um, some of the the most happiest, joyfulest, if those are words, right. <laughs> memories yeah. in my life are are times with my family, my wife and kids, um, yeah. and we just have. Uh, a truly blessed family, I think. And I have four children. I should say my fifth is on the well, way. Yeah. Um, but uh, we have uh, 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 two girls and three boys. Yeah. Um, and uh, they really are the apple of my eye. And mm-hmm. I just look forward to every day with them. Um, but it is it is a trial. But let's talk, before we uh, continue, let's talk a little bit about the impact of fatherhood or the mm. impact of the lack of fatherhood in our culture. Yeah, absolutely. And so we see that, and anybody who pays any attention in the media or the news is aware that there is a father crisis yeah. in our society. Yeah. And that father crisis is um, uh, increasing percentage Oh, is 21% or a little bit higher, I can't remember the statistic, of kids in America are growing up without a father. Like yeah. not, the father is not even present, not even visiting. You know, it, he is totally void and absent of their lives. Yeah. And we also have um, uh, just an increased recognition, you know, of, of the need for authentic fathers. So, right. you know, fathers who are present but absent, as the saying is, that fathers who show up in in the room but ignore their kids mm-hmm. or are annoyed by their kids and never show that outward affection of love is uh, also causing a, a toxic growth environment for children. Right. So yeah, on the one hand, you have yeah. fathers who aren't even physically present. Right. And then on the other hand, you have fathers who are physically present, but who are maybe mentally and emotionally distant, um, have no interest in engaging with their kids, uh, just plop down in front of the TV and, and essentially shoo their kids away. Um, and it really is tragic. And it's, it's gotten so bad in our culture that the federal government has had to launch <laughs> a multi-million dollar multimedia campaign, including yeah. billboards, websites, videos, uh, blog posts, all trying to encourage men to be fathers and to embrace that role of fatherhood. You know, fatherhood.gov, just That's look it right. up. Um, and it really has gotten to that point. Uh, where we have to have billboards that say, take time to be a father today. That's right. Well, in, in Japan, it's some similar, but they are having uh, couples getting married and never having children. Right. 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 So they are uh, united and, mm-hmm. uh, and living together, but never open to the thought of, of procreating, of having children, right? Being mm-hmm. fruitful and multiplying is non-existent. So they're actually giving these robotic babies to um, couples wow. to try and get them to experience an emotional reaction or desire to have kids wow. because for so long the thought of having kids was a burden and is a detriment to your career goals and your success in life and and you don't have control over that aspect and when kids come along it's something not worth um, uh, your time and therefore 
you know, avoid it at all cost. Right, right. And it's incredible how much things have changed because if you look at traditional cultures, kind of pre-modern, pre-industrial revolution yeah. cultures, uh, being a father was one of the greatest yeah. prides, uh, or the pride of your life was being a father. That's right. Um, you know, you look at the ancient Roman culture and being the pater familias was like That's a right. big deal. Um, but also, you know, if you look at uh, like Norse culture, okay. what, what was always... Um, you would always introduce yourself as, you know, Lars, son of Thor. That's right. Or whatever, you know, and, and there was always this reference back to your father, mm-hmm. and that gave you almost an identity as a man. I'm yeah. son of so-and-so. That's where you see the last names in Nordic culture, you know, Bjornsson right. or whatever, because it was so central to your identity to be a son and to be a father. That's right. Um, that it was just kind of interwoven into their whole cultural identity. Um, but that was the way all traditional cultures were. There was no greater pride for a man to, um, you know, 20, 30 years after becoming an adult to look back and see, you know, a brood of children and That's their right. children and to just look at this abundance of life. Yeah. Um, and that was something that men took pride in. That's right. And marriage, they understood going into marriage, marriage is ordered towards children. Yeah. Like, that's just what you do when you have, when you get married, you have a children but now we live in this culture where it's like children are a drain children are a nuisance i'm just gonna get a dog you know and like and and we've kind of substituted this uh, love and fullness of life for kind of this sterile uh and cold lack of uh, of of openness i agree the me culture can't contain Mm -hmm. children yeah and um you know, and it's, but it is a joy of children. And your your comment just reminded me of this picture that we have up here with uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven kids. And wow. so, and that's a, that's a, was a common thing. And, and again, something desired, yeah. you know? And so as Catholic gentlemen, we understand that being a father is a vocation. Yeah. So it's not simply to be a father or not to be a father. It's not simply just a choice that can be made um, willy-nilly, but it is a, um, a vocation in life that can call us and does call us to holiness. That's right, that's right. Yeah, and, and when we look at um, the word vocation, oh, yeah. it means calling, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a vocare to call, right. you know, and God is calling us to participate in his uh, a, a temporal reflection of his own divine fatherhood as yeah. you know our, our archbishop sheen reminds us yeah. you know uh, i don't have the exact quote but yeah. but you know he says that that it, the human fatherhood is a reflection of god's fatherhood and what a beautiful gift to be able to mirror that on a temporal level yeah um and it's just as serious as a vocation uh, as being called to the priesthood or being yes. called to religious life. It's that serious. And I love what Father Lovasek says, you know, that uh, fatherhood is a, is a vocation for a serious vocation for serious men. Like That's it's right. not something trivial. It's not something tacked on to your life in addition to yeah. your, your job or your career, which is your real vocation. No, like your job and your career are oriented towards providing for your family. That's right. And your family is your primary vocation. That's right. And I love what you're saying. And you triggered in my mind St. Alphonsus. And St. Alphonsus wrote a letter to fathers Mm -hmm. and to mothers. 
And in that letter, he talked about how when we go before the throne of God, that's what will be judged, yeah. is how seriously and how um, intentionally yeah. and how well did we parent our children. So not if you were a C-level executive, yeah. not if you were <laughs> a high-ranking official in the government or in another organization, not if you spearheaded a nonprofit that was incredibly successful, but how well did you parent your children. And so I think about it being a calling, about it being a a calling from God, that means we often have to be stripped from ourselves, right? Or our notion of things. And I know that when I decided to be, when I'm sorry, when I um, decided or had a preference and God directed me to become a husband and to have children, I thought it was going to be a lot of fun and games. (laughs) And And I did. I really was looking forward to when the child was walking and when we were just able to go have fun together. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and sure, I will parent them and I will make sure that I'm uh, helping them grow and directing them to to something greater. But um, wouldn't it be uh, wouldn't it be great to have just a constant constant adventurer in life, somebody to build with, somebody to um, uh, to go on bike rides and to go fishing and to go hunting with. And while all of those things are a great aspect of being a father, there's also the crying for two hours straight in yes. the car seat or yeah. late at night and that desperate ripping of from your own desires and your yeah. your uh, your selfishness and honestly in many of those situations it's hard to love it's hard to choose that love and you know praise God for our mothers in our lives and the wives in our lives uh, to to turn to in those situations yeah so. yeah and marriage involves a cross fatherhood involves yeah. a cross and I'm, you know, just being perfectly honest, there's something in every man that wants to flee from that cross. Yeah. yeah. Um, and a lot of men lose themselves in work uh, or, you know, other pursuits, hobbies, um, and ignore their family because they're scared. Yeah. They're scared. Because marriage is uh, incredibly humbling. Fatherhood is one of the most humbling things you'll ever do. There's times when I've just, I look at the bills coming in and the money coming in yeah. and just feel that stress. Yeah. growing and then I realize that my children also are, are struggling yes. academically and then I realize that there's disciplinary issues or you know disobedience going on or a uh, child's developing a bad habit oh and also the children have interests how can yeah. I develop and nurture those interests and you know so there's the educational needs the emotional yes. needs the physical needs you know all of these things kind of weighing on your shoulders and it can be absolutely overwhelming sure it's absolutely overwhelming sometimes, and you realize the weight that comes with fatherhood. Yeah. And um, so, again, there's a cross there that's involved, and we need to not be cowards and run from that, yeah. but rather embrace that with joy in uh, imitation of our Lord. Because, um, you know, each of us, every vocation does have a cross. That's right. Priests have their cross, religious have their cross, we have ours. Um, but marriage is difficult. And the sooner we admit yeah. that, the better. Because the world says marriage is the best way to fulfill all your 
heartfelt needs. That's right. All those <laughs> it's the best way points to be happy. That's right. Know? But no, that's not the way the church sees it. That's yeah. not the way God designed it. No. It's for our sanctification. That's right, because marriage is a sacrament. That's right. And and so there's hope because marriage is a sacrament, a sacrament that we can we can turn to and we can uh, rely on. And we'll talk about that later on in the episode. But but it is a sacrament, and and as a fundamental uh, pillar of this sacrament is the procreation, education, and upbringing of those children. And so we have a responsibility, we have a, a duty, and we have an obligation in that sacrament. But could you imagine going through life, and and sorry, going through fatherhood even, and not understanding what we're talking about i mean so like you said men want to flee right because there's a joke right that there's that there's that child that that will be your saint maker right right. it's that child that's going to truly rip you from yourself and they are they are bathing holiness upon you and if you don't have that understanding or that humor and the emotional honeymoon phase and feelings has started to, you know, to wear off and the burden and stress of taking care of a family and you don't have that sacramental grace and yeah. that backing. I mean, who wouldn't run? I yeah. mean, that's that's exactly it. So praise God for that being um, that we are Catholic and that we have the truth and the fullness and the understanding of the sacrament of marriage. But also there's a right order to fatherhood. Yeah. And it's important to understand what that right order to fatherhood is. Yeah. So when we were talking about that, and I think I know what you're talking yeah. about, is the, the idea that, you know, fathers are there to give guidance and structure to the family. You know, if you think about mm. the family structure, it's almost like the father's the head and the mother's the heart, yeah. you know. And um, the father is kind of represents law and order in a sense. Not that fathers can't be loving and caring. Absolutely, we must be. Um, But also there's that sense in which we have to sometimes discipline and we sometimes have to challenge, and that's not always fun. Um, But my boys, let's face it, they're just kind of rowdy. They're kind of lazy. Yeah. They don't want to work. They That's don't, right. but they just want to play yeah, and they they want to, you know, goof off, crash around the house, which is fine. That's, yeah. that's, that's what boys do. But also they need to be challenged sometimes. That's right. And that's not up to mom to challenge them. You know, she gets frustrated when maybe I'm, I'm traveling or I'm, I'm busy and I'm not around because she's got to, you know, she's got to try to corral these wild yeah. boys, which are kind of like huskies, you know. That's right. <laughs> Looking like a sled dog team, you know, channeled. They can be incredibly They're strong, strong. <laughs> but they can also be incredibly wild. Yeah, and it's like they need, they need that guidance and that firm hand sometimes. Um, and I don't, that's not necessarily my personality, but it's yeah. my call as a father that's right. to do that and provide that. Um, and likewise, girls need something different. Yeah. They don't necessarily need that firm hand, but they sometimes need that attention, that care that a father can give. And they need moral guidance. And um, and, and we, we've all known cases when that hasn't been there and how tragic yeah. the results can be. So fathers have got to provide that structure, that order, that moral formation, yeah. um, you know, and, and that uh, discipline that a mother can't always give That's right. despite her best efforts. That's right. And, you know, and there is something about that. And I want to talk about the discipline there, too, because... 
I don't know if it's the same in your marriage, but I know when my wife threatens or my wife um, gives the warning, yeah. I guess a better way of saying it, it doesn't stick right. the same way that when I do, right? right. right? And, and there's a reason, right? Mm-hmm. And so my kids, when my wife has to call me up when I'm at work right. because a kid has, has disobeyed, she basically has to discipline them to get on the phone to talk to me yeah. <laughs> because they there's uh, this this order you know of of disciplinary and then the other thing is is that while my wife has to discipline, um, I don't want my wife to have to be no. the disciplinarian. No. You know, I don't want to be the father who is absent and who lets makes my wife you know rear the children, including. Um, disciplining them when those situations need right so right right yeah there's there's a reason god gave us the dad voice yeah, <laughs> yeah. the dad voice that's right voice? exactly get over here <laughs> that's right <laughs> you, know, you gotta you know, sometimes you gotta you gotta have that firmness and the and women your wife will look to you for that that's right and she'll get frustrated and bitter if she has to do that if carry that burden because let's face it moms have got enough on their shoulders uh, without having to be that disciplinarian, that's so um, true. They've got so much on their plate, um, and so that's our that's our responsibility as dads. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's the way God designed it. That's right. That's the way God designed it. So, uh, and your kids, they'll actually um, a lot of times children's naughty behavior. Yeah, they're just testing the limits. Yeah, that's right. And if they don't <laughs> encounter any limits, each of them, they're disoriented. They that's don't know right. what to do. They don't like it. When there's no structure, when there's no boundaries, when there's no order in the home, um, children need to know that I can go this far and no further. And if they don't have that, it can be disheartening for a child, confusing. Um, So even though you may think that your children don't want any rules, they actually do. And they actually thrive more when there is that that basic structure and boundaries in the home and limits. Children need freedom within limits. That's right. And I like that comment on structure in the home because it really does come from the father. The ability to structure the day, Mm -hmm. structure that which is important. So I think of examples of praying the rosary as a family after dinner. There is often times that my wife attempts to do it with the kids and it is just a nightmare because I'm on travel, I'm gone. And I just hear it in her voice and sometimes she'll call in the middle of the rosary and I'll hear it in there you know, and while every time I pray the rosary with the family, it's not perfect, we do it every day, but the point is, is that is a structure that our children need. Yep. And that structure from the fact that we are going to eat together as a family yep. and that we're going to pray the rosary together before bed or right after dinner is an order and a routine that you mutually discuss with your wife and you set, but the father really needs to implement it, right? Yeah. Really needs to be that guiding uh, head of his mm-hmm. of his family, and and just so that there's no confusion, I am nothing 
without God, but nothing without my wife. And I'm desperate right. in need of the complementarity right. of what it is that our union and our marriage brings to the family. Yeah. But this is an opportunity in an area where you can really be the, the leader and that right. your children need, that fathers need. I'm sorry, yeah. that, that children need from their fathers. That's right, that's right, yeah. And, and, and two, like, I think a lot of times men are content to just delegate some of that spiritual yeah. formation to their wives. Mm. Um, just say, well, you, know, you come up with the, the devotional practices in the home. You are the one that always has to har- harass me to you know, pray the rosary or go yeah. to mass or whatever, those things. Wouldn't it be wonderful if a dad initiated something like that? Yeah. Like, you know, the dad says, um, you know, we're going to go to adoration. Take your son to adoration. Take your daughter to adoration. Wouldn't that be a wonderful way to spend time with God and spend time with your children? Yeah. Just just do it. Like, or, yeah. or suggest a family rosary. If you're not doing it now, yeah. wouldn't it be wonderful if you suggested that? Your wife That's would probably right. be blown away. Yeah. She'd probably be, like, so happy yep. to have a dad finally taking the lead in the home, spiritually speaking. Um, and so... As husbands, you know, again, it's another aspect of um, fatherhood that we kind of sometimes want to flee. Like, yeah. oh, it's a little uncomfortable talking about these things. So I'm just going to let my wife do it. Um, there was a time when I was actually quite uh, nervous yeah. to suggest those things in the home. Like, I didn't want to be the bad guy. I didn't want to make the kids groan and roll their eyes. Is it always time for yeah. family rosary or something like that? So for a long time, I actually, like, resisted mm. that yeah. aspect of my calling as a father. Mm. But then finally, one day I realized like, you know what, this is what God has called me to do. I'm yeah. just going to do it. So I suggested it. And, you know, the kids were a little bit annoyed at first, yeah, yeah, yeah. but then they got used to it and they liked it. And they yeah. were reminding me when I forgot. Um, so it all started, you know, with that decision yeah, though, to step out of my comfort zone and to be a leader in the home. And um, the results, you know, um, um, have been wonderful. So I just think that Got to get over ourselves That's right. and just step up and, and do what we need to do as fathers. Yeah, praise God. And I completely agree. And you you brought up that, uh, that point of praying the rosary and suggesting that, but you and I are both very keen on balance. We're both very um, aware of, you know, not setting an ideal of perfection that we require of ourselves. So if I would say if a listener hasn't, um, practiced the family rosary yeah. and the wife might be adverse to the notion, try a family decade sure. of the rosary. Sure. Have one intention. I, that's something that helps in our family rosary is that each of the kids get to pray an intention for the rosary, sure. right? Yeah. And it's really adorable and really cute. And then we do the litany of the saints and, you know, they all want to come, you know, throw out a saint. And um, my, my son David is all into Padre Pio right now. And so... He'll say Padre Pio like three or four times during the litany. And um, and so, but yeah, start, start, if necessary, small, but suggest. Be, yes. that, be that leader, be right. that director. E- ease into things, all things with charity and patience. You know, right. don't, don't say, oh, we're going to pay 15 decade rosary yeah, every day. Know. You know, your wife will <laughs> resent you for that. That's right. But, but you know, and if, if something comes up and your wife, you know, the kids are tired, or, you know, you were out late. That's right. You know, it's okay, but That's right. but it's strive for that. Be you know, set the set the bar high. Yeah, I agree. And so another thing about this moral formation or spiritual formation is actively 
um, being involved when you take your kids to, to church on mm-hmm. Sunday, yes. right? So that is one of the, you know, every book that, that's out there within the Catholic or the No Man Behind and, you know, um, the Protestant uh, world, when you look at these, these masculine books, um, even in the secular world, uh, there's, there's this notion that men are um, uninterested and vapid and, and are, are unaware. And when they go to church, they're just, they're strictly out of obligation. And again, that goes back to that being present, but being absent. Yeah. If your wife is carrying you to church and requiring that you go to church, I mean, it's, it's time to really spend in prayer and thinking about these things, mm-hmm. right? It's time for you to really discern what you can do yeah. to be that spiritual head or to be that guide or to support your wife, you know, and that which is true and that which is good. And I mentioned briefly, you know, the secular world, that that all goes back to that uh, study. And it's a very famous study. And I know a lot of uh, individuals have heard it, but it was in 1994, there was this Swiss study that uh, came out just about how the effects of mothers and or fathers or both going to church affected the future generation, Mm -hmm. their children, Mm -hmm. and going to church later in life. And the study uh, went through, it was multi-years, right? It came out in 94, but it was many, many years and and hundreds and if not thousands of families, both Catholic and Protestant and in that sphere. But some of the key takeaways, or at least one of the key takeaways is, is when a mother was going regularly, but the father was going irregularly. So sometimes he was missing, sometimes he was there, sometimes he wasn't. I'm sure when he, I'm assuming when he was there, he wasn't actively engaged. Um, only 3% of children carried on yeah. and continued to go to church wow. regularly. Wow. But when the flip of that happened, when fathers went to church regularly and mothers were the ones that were going irregularly, um, mm-hmm. the amount of kids was 38%. Wow. So that complementarity is so important, and I'm not diminishing that, but when you look at just a simple secular study that, that showcases mother is regular, father irregular, 3%, Father is regular, mother is irregular, 38%. Yeah. I mean, it's just incredible. But as Catholics, we understand that it's it's ordained. It's, yes, absolutely. That's what it is. So. And the other point I want to make about that yeah. is fathers have to take their own spiritual life seriously. seriously. Amen. Because you can't give what you don't have. Amen. And if your spiritual tank, your emotional tank is empty... You're not going to be able to give anything to your family. So yeah. the question is, are you praying? Are you seeking to grow in holiness? Are you seeking to be a man of God? Because if you're not, mm. there's no way you're going to be able to lead your, ch- your children and your family. Um, it's just everything's going to suffer. That's right. And you say, well, that's, that's too much. It's too much. It's too busy. I'm too busy. I don't have time for that. Like, when am I going to, what am I going to learn to... That's why we're talking about fatherhood is a cross yeah. because it is difficult. It is difficult to find the time to meditate, to pray, to do the things that we need to do to develop our own spiritual life and to ensure the growth of our own children. It's going to stretch you. Yeah, absolutely. There's a sense in which you'll always be inadequate, um, and that's humbling. That's true. Um, but at the same time, we're called to give 
the best that we can, whatever that might be, yeah. but give the very best of ourselves, um, striving after this. Um, you know, f- fail, fine. God will take care of the rest, but he wants to know that you did your best. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, yeah, working on yourself, you cannot give what you do not have or possess. That's so true. The same of it is just that being self-reflective, that importance of being mm-hmm. reflective mm-hmm. on your reactions, mm-hmm. on your actions. Are you being, you know, um, proactive? Are you being reactive? Because I'll be honest, I'll hear my children yell at each other and I'm like, oh my goodness, yeah. that is me. They are. Yes, they are. <laughs> they say the same things you do. That's sometimes. right. They are emulating. I need to be more cautious yeah. of, of that. And so I appreciate you bringing that up. That's so important for all of us to remember and all of us to be thinking of. So we've kind of been alluding to a bunch of these different things, but I think another important thing for us to go through is how can we be better fathers? I know we've been alluding to it and we've been talking about things and what is fatherhood, but what are more ways that we can proactively grow in our vocation, grow in, um, let's say, good performance of, of our vocation mm-hmm. and, um, and be better dads to our kids? Yeah. So the first thing that comes to mind is time. Mm. Okay, like everything starts with the time that you spend with your kids. Um, Your presence is the best gift that you can give your family. Um, And again, as we said earlier in the episode, that presence isn't just physically, it's emotionally and in your actual attention to your children, which again, after a long day at work can be tiring. Like you might just want to collapse and just kind of indulge in... Um, relaxation, absolutely, but mm-hmm. which is understandable. Yeah, but they need you. Yeah. They need you. Um, the other thing too, I think, is very important is protecting your children. Mm. Um, there are, are a lot of temptations and dangers in our world today. Yeah. You know, I work I work for a company where, unfortunately, I learn about things like children being exposed to like pornography and and other uh, soul destroying so dangers wicked. at yeah. six years old. Um, and sometimes mm. getting addicted for years without ever having talked to their parents about it, without mm. their parents ever knowing. But their parents got them an iPhone or an iPad yeah. for Christmas, thinking it was perfectly harmless. But they didn't take that intentional step of protecting their children with a filter or with par- parental controls or with time limits or with yeah. guidance on how to use this. It's like handing your child a loaded gun. Yeah. you know. But there's also other temptations out there. You know, a peer pressure, for yeah, example. Of Pop culture is filled with messages that are contrary yeah. to our faith. Um, so as a father, you have, you're responsible for your children's uh, moral and physical and emotional well-being. Right. And if you're neglecting that, if you don't take that role seriously, your children will suffer in one form or another. That's right. Um, and, and that's your responsibility. I agree. And I know we will have another episode just right. on this, just this, on this topic, yes. and I'm looking forward to that. Um, but uh, you brought up time, and actually it was uh, Steve Wood's book, uh, Christian Fatherhood on Raising Godly Children. I believe that's the title. It's been now 10 years or so since I, I read it, but I remember very distinctly him saying that um, children spell love, T-I-M-E. Yes. yes. And I, I like to just... Uh, I agree with that completely. 
I also say that the time that your boys want to spend with you is often very different than the time your girls yes. want to spend with you. And it's important to recognize that yeah. difference and be okay with it because I can tell you what, um, my daughters are not wanting to play with roughhousing and knives and you know <laughs> not that my sons play with knives but you know the, the fun things of of i'd say masculine life and but very frequently they want to talk yeah they want to show me their drawings they yes, want right. to uh talk to me about their day That's you know true. and then um and their little femininity just comes out in those moments and i find for me personally with my my daughter's um that are eight and six right now that I do find a joy in it. I think um, I was blessed to have heard Philip Mango um, talk about uh, fatherhood and how women think mm -hmm. and how women relate yeah. and on the psychological level. And one of the things is just uh, talking in what we would say talking in circles, but it's how they reason. And mm -hmm. I can see that beauty coming out of my yeah. daughters. And for me, because I'm aware of that, I don't get annoyed that they're, they're going on for four minutes and kind of saying the same thing and yes. where are we going in this? Because that's their, that's their femininity and yeah. that's beautiful. And so I think that spending time 100%, even if and very often is the case it pulls us from ourselves because yeah. we're working hard we are uh tired we have chores to do around the house right you know we have places that we have to go and purchase things for groceries or what have you or you know going to home depot which can be fun um but but spending time with your kids or bringing your kids along for those things yeah. actually just thinking about it and you know take a couple of your kids to the Home Depot, to the grocery store, these yep. places, you know, yep. they find great joy. But setting them down in front of a TV and ignoring them so that you can do a bunch of other stuff right. um, is something that you got to really caution. Yeah. And you got to really think about. A perfect example of that, though, is, is the other day I was done after a long day at work and I was yeah. tired and I sat down in my chair and my boys came running over and they said, Dad, Dad, can we have a wrestling match? Uh -huh. <laughs> That's their favorite <laughs> dad time oh, right too. now is wrestling match. Yeah. Which, by the way, oh, when they were when they were little, like it was no problem. You know, I just throw them around like ragdoll. Sure, sure. But now uh, they had like a truck. Like, <sighs> oh my goodness, these boys! If they get any bigger, I'm going to be in the emergency room. But you're going to need some jujitsu uh, to to combat that. Yeah, yeah. That my one son especially, he's just like a born wrestler and. <sighs> Sure. He'll just run at you and just slam in you and like, oh my goodness. The next day my ribs were bruised. But, oh my goodness. <laughs> but it was like they just loved it. They just loved it. They like do. they just, you know, we uh wrestled for like forty five minutes and I was exhausted. Yeah. But but it was it was wonderful dad and son time. And the girls, of course, they just wanna sit in my lap and yeah, yeah like you said, jabber away and uh, yeah. you know, that's wonderful time too. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah, give um, them what they need. But Absolutely. they need that. They desperately need that. That's right. And you know, and so then um some of the other things that we can do, obviously, that we brought up is is discipline, yeah. right? So mm -hmm. a good father disciplines, but he disciplines rightly. He yeah. disciplines justly. Yeah. And that takes many conversations with your wife. It takes many nights of prayer. Mm -hmm. It takes many reflections on previous disciplines because my wife and I are real big on understanding the love language of each of our kids and not using that against them. Mm -hmm. Because 
I know there is a notion that one size discipline fits all, right? Yeah, I've got yeah. one tool in my shed and that's the one I'm going to use. It's going to be a spanking regardless of whether yeah, they spilled yeah. their milk or whether they, you know, ran out into the middle of the street or, right. you know, um, stayed out too late at night, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I go against that and I, I want to, I want to constantly, and we do have many conversations because that's my natural go-to, right? Is if I've got one tool that works, yeah. then how much easier is life when that's right. my one go-to? But is that the better approach for, yeah, for our kids? Yeah. And my daughters, just to look at them with, with severity and with, with intensity yeah. causes them to crumble, right. you know, but I'll never forget my son, <laughs> the first time David, my, he's four now, but the first time I, um, I swatted him, he looked at me and he slapped me in the face. He swung back <laughs> and I was just so shocked in my immaturity and my, my newness as a father, because I had only had two girls right. prior to that. And I just look at them, you know, seriously. And they just, they crumble, they cry, they run to the corner or whatever the case might be. Um, and, um, but not my son. I knew it right then and there. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness, this is a totally different beast. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> so familiar. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in, in, like you said, disciplining in a way that is appropriate to the situation yeah. that is actually for their own good. That's right. And the other thing too is never conflate discipline with lack of love. Like children yeah. need to know that even when they're in trouble, that you still love them. That's right. Uh, in fact, uh, one of my kids the other day came and said to me, um, even when I'm naughty, I still love you. <laughs> and even when you're mad at me, you still love me, good. right? And I said, that's right. That's good. And, uh, you know, they, they, they desperately need to know that. That's and if right. you ever give your kids the impression that I'm punishing you not for your own good, but just because I'm angry at you, yeah. be incredibly destructive. Uh, this so, is good. I, you reminded me of a priest that... Uh, counseled me. He reminded me, so I had well, five, but four at the time, and they were all under the age of reason. Yeah. And while they still need to be disciplined and they still need to be guided and stuff like that, controlling my own frustration and my mm -hmm. own anger, he reminded me that he said, John, you have to remember that they are angering you not because they are offending God, mm. but because they are offending you. That's so true. I was like, wow. oh, that is that's so true. So it's important to keep ourselves in check. Yes. I think it's also really important, two things, um, that if you are somebody who is prone to anger and prone to rage, to put checks and balances in place for yourself yeah. before you discipline. Not that kids discipline, and we both know when the, the younger the kid the more immediate the discipline needs to be yeah. because if you wait an hour, they're not going to remember what they yeah. did. And so, or they're not going to um, have experienced that moment the same. And so it's important, but if you are somebody who is, um, you know, really, uh, you know, impulse and rage is, is something that is a cross of yours. Um, I, yeah, we encourage you to put in checks and balances, right? Count, That's right. count one, two, three, turn in a circle, you That's know, right jump 10 times up and down. I don't know. Do something <laughs> to control yourself. Yeah. And there's there's really two ways yeah. punishment can be selfish. One is, like you said, where yeah. you feel offended and you're going to let them have it. That's right. Mm. The other one, though, a lot of times is parents refuse to punish mm. 
because they're also, they don't want to be the bad guy. So important. Mm. Um, you know, well, you know, a little Bobby, I'm just going to let him run amok, you That's know, right. because kids I just don't want to be mean. Yeah. Well, no, then you're failing as, in your role as, right. as, as a father as well. So uh, severe punishment done in anger can be harmful and yeah. it can be more about you than about them. That's right. But likewise, failing to punish because you don't like to, you want to be liked by your child more than you want to be uh, a father that you should be. That's right. Um, you know, that also can be damaging to your child because, again, they need those limits. They need those boundaries. They need to know that there's consequences for healthy moral development. That's right. Absolutely. And you brought up love already and kids needing to know love. And I just want to come back to that and talk about after discipline has happened, the importance as a father to show yes. them that you forgive them yes. and to show them that they are loved yes. and that um, you know we work towards being like God the Father, yeah. uh, slow to anger, quick in kindness. Yep. This is that opportunity right there for yeah. you to be quick in kindness is to, when, when you've had to discipline and, and justly and rightly yeah. like we were talking about, then you also let them know that Hey, if they need to hug to to reconnect, yes. if they need to un hear dad say, I love you and yep. I forgive you, then it's uh, it is an obligation too of that's yours right. to give them that because that's, right. that's all part of their formation. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, moving on a little bit from the yeah. discipline piece, which is which is um, just been a really good conversation. Yeah. Um, another way that you know we can really be there for our kids is prayer. Yeah. Um, Praying with them, praying for them, um, making sure that they know um, that you're praying for them. You yeah. know, I heard someone say one time uh, that when a lot of times when we we're frustrated with our kids and their their character or you know different um, aspects of yeah. their of their behavior, we'll often lecture them. You yeah. Know, oh, you know, you got to do this, and here's why, and the, and and oftentimes that's a little limited effectiveness. Yeah. Right. <laughs> But I heard someone say once that tell everything that you would say to your child to God about your child. Express those That's frustrations. Great. Express those um, griefs, those complaints to God and ask him to work on the heart of your child because ultimately it's their heart that needs to change, not just their externals. Yeah, right. There's kids that sometimes will comply externally just to appease you, but yeah. inwardly they're rebellious and hard and they've rejected you. And they've turned away from you inwardly and like to me, one of the most important things with my children is trust. Yeah. I want them to know that I want them to trust that I always have their good at heart behind mm -hmm. everything that I do. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't ever want to violate that through harshness and through just constant haranguing. And so, you know, just to pray for your child and pour out your heart to God on behalf of your children. Because there's, there's, there's things that we won't be able to fix as parents, yeah. despite our best efforts at discipline, despite our best efforts at guidance. There's some things that we just can't do, but That's only right. God can do. That's right. So just everything you would say to your child, tell it to God. Yeah, and I'd say authentic gentlemen are comfortable with that humility. They're yeah. comfortable with that understanding that they are not going to be able to get all these yeah. answers right, and they are not going to be able to know what to do in every situation. I really love that. I'm going to use that, Sam. I really appreciate that. I'm going to reflect more on that um, because he, he wants to hear yes. this from us as well, right? Yes. We know our God the Father is, is a loving uh, Father, 
slow to anger and quick in kindness. And, and that's a great way. But we're talking about God. And I think that um, this is also another important point to talk about. And we have is the spiritual formation and spiritual direction. So we've already talked about one way. We talked about the rosary. We talked about um, uh, just a decade. If, if a full rosary is not possible, we talked about, <clears throat> excuse me, we talked about going to mass and mm-hmm. being actively involved in mass. Yeah. But catechesis or moral formation, you know, often happens outside of just those <clears throat> one-off situations such as going to mass on Sundays That's or right. praying the yeah. rosary every day. Which, by the way, I will say, when you get into the habit of praying the rosary every day, your kids behave better at mass yes. because it's they're more used to yeah. that time in silence. Mm-hmm. But there's some other things uh, that we should be doing uh, for catechesis. So do you do anything as far as like reading scripture to your kids or reading from the catechism to the kids or Baltimore or any of that stuff? I know that I, I fail at that in many times, but... I mean, I, I use the opportunities when, um, like, a situation's there, or I'll have those aha moments, you know. Mm-hmm. But I know I personally could use, um, like, every Saturday I do this, or every Sunday I do that. So, any yeah. ideas about that? So, we do several things. Now, yeah. I will say that we have a kind of a specific philosophy on more intellectual formation. Yeah. So we're not drilling our children, per se, on the Baltimore Catechism or anything like that quite yet. Yeah. But we are teaching them moral virtues that I think are very important. For example, gratitude. Yeah. Um, I think it's incredibly important for children to be grateful. Amen. In fact, I think gratitude is the foundation of a healthy spiritual life. Yeah. So one thing we do is, um, I wouldn't say every night, but almost every night, we go around the table and each child lists three things yes. that they're grateful for from that day. And it's amazing the stuff these kids, yes. my, my daughter is like, she's, she just turned three. And yet she always has some of the most profound things that she's grateful for. She's like, I'm thankful for light. Yeah. I'm thankful for rain, you know. And like I'm like, where are oh, you Franciscan. You know, and, yeah. and she's she's, um, but she means it. Yeah, of course. And and so they've all learned to pay attention to the things that they're grateful for. The other thing too is just live and breathe Catholicism yourself. Amen. For example, invoke the saints. Amen. Um, my, we, I'm often forgetful and I lose things frequently. Um, so I'm St. St. Anthony's yeah. my friend. He's found all kinds of things for me. So my daughter picked up on this yeah. and she, um, she loses her favorite doll or something. Yeah. And she says, St. Anthony, help me find my doll. And then she finds it and she'll say, St. <laughs> Anthony's a good finder. Yeah, praise God. And uh, so I love it. She just picked up on that. Uh, I didn't, um, intellectually teach her that, yeah. but she just absorbed that through my example. My son's too. Um, I cross myself whenever I pass a Catholic church yeah, as a nice. way of acknowledging Jesus' presence. That's right. I, I never told my kids what I was doing, mm-hmm. but one day we were driving by a Catholic church and I crossed myself and my son said, you're doing that because Jesus is in there, aren't you? And yeah. I said, that's right. Oh, so they just absorb everything that's and right. kids are little sponges. They are. So what you do, what you practice, they'll pick up. I love it. Um, but it's those things like teaching them gratitude, teaching them that Jesus loves them, um, that we want to see him, want to go to Mass. Like they hate it when we miss Mass now. Yeah. 
Um, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, so that's so great. And you actually brought up a good thing. Anytime we hear uh, ambulance go off or mm. we hear sirens, we uh, immediately pray a Hail Mary mm. and we ask Our Lady to send angels to be yeah. with them. And, and I think those little practices just mm. make a world of difference. So just to kind of finish this off, um, I think it's important to talk about something that might not quickly resonate in the mind of a man as a father but it's the importance of prioritizing your relationship oh, with yeah. your wife. Yeah. And so I, I would be um, sad if we did not discuss that in yeah. brief because prioritizing date nights, prioritizing your wife's health. Yes. It doesn't have to be a date. It doesn't have to be about you and her. I mean, right. that's great. But, right. but prioritizing her own health and and what you do as a family and what choices you make as a husband and as a father resonate for generations. Yes. So. yes. Yeah, in fact, I heard someone say once that the, the most important thing you can do for your children is to love their mother. Mm. Um, and I think it's so true because um, that provides an incredible foundation of security and safety for a child. Yeah. I mean, there's been maybe one or two times I've exchanged a sharp word with my wife yeah. in front of my kids, and they they hate that. Yeah. Like they don't like that. No. And they need to know that we love each other. And so I make a point of you know kissing my wife in front of my kids, giving her a hug, saying I love you. Yeah. Because I do. Yeah. Um, and the more that I do that, though, the more they just feel that warmth, that love. It 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 just fills the home with such peace and joy, and um, the kids. Uh, they just blossom when they That's know right. that mom and dad love each other. Um, we love each other as siblings, you know, and, and um, it really just kind of makes the home like a little paradise. It does. And it's the same Same with me. I, I had a, a blessed moment. My uh, six-year-old Gianna asked recently, do mommy and daddies fight? <laughs> and I said, well, yes. Yes, they have arguments and disagreements. I said, but your mother and father don't don't fight a lot. And Gemma, my eight-year-old said, yeah, they don't. And I was like, praise God. <laughs> and, and, but how important is that to be setting that example on a regular basis? And what a great way to bookend this episode in the sense of us talking about the problem of fatherlessness yeah. and what it's doing when fathers are gone and, and mothers um, are raising their kids by themselves. Right. But then talking about that, it's more than just you being a present father to your kids and acting and directing and guiding and praying for your kids but it's also doing all of those things in union with your wife right. and showing that respect and that guidance and that love by how you treat your wife and mm -hmm. how you prioritize that relationship mm -hmm. with your wife. All right, so yeah. for our nightcap today, uh, we have a theme that we've been talking about today from uh, the very first moment, but um, spending time with your kids. So um, what are some of the favorite things you do with your kids? Yeah, so... A lot of favorite things, but right off the bat, the most favorite thing that I get to do with my kids is cause them to smile. Mm -hmm. And I remember the joy I felt with my firstborn and how when she smiled, my world just was a better place. <laughs> yeah. And so I made it a somewhat humorous, but somewhat a, a personal joy 
to get her to smile multiple times a day mm-hmm. and, um, and to do so with, with a lot of joy and, and gratefulness in my heart. And then that carried through with all my kids. Yeah. And so even my little Joseph right now, who is, I guess, 10 months, just a little bit past 10 months, um, he smiles a lot and it actually gives me sadness when I can't get him to smile, you know, <laughs> but sometimes, you know, he's just in a mood and, and that being said, but that for me is probably, uh, the thing that I love doing most. Um, and, and part that brings a lot of joy to me as a father. So what yeah. about you, Sam? Yeah. So for me, it's, uh, one of my favorite things is just reading to my kids, reading aloud. Mm. Um, you know, the, the, the girls love to read little bedtime stories, books, but we'll read, you know, two or three, four of them sometimes. Cause yeah. well, as soon as I finish one, they're like another one, daddy. Yeah, of and how can I say no? You know, they're so adorable. That's right. And then my boys, um, we just finished the whole, we've been reading aloud for a couple of years now. Mm. Um, we've read a bunch of books, uh, chapter-length books. Um, we just finished the whole Narnia series. Oh, wow. Um, and that was fantastic. They loved that. Now we're on to reading The Hobbit, yeah. which I dare say they like more oh, wow. than Narnia. Uh-oh. Um, they're running around the house <laughs> pretending to be dragons and Crazy. dwarves and yeah. stuff. It's great. Uh, but we just real read for an hour sometimes so or more great. every night. Um, you know, get the fireplace going and just read and they love it. They absolutely love it. So, and I love it. It's, yeah. it's a great joy to me. So that's one of the things I enjoy most. I love it. So thank you so much for watching. If you are following us on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, click the like button. If you're on your podcast, uh, player of choice, we're on them all. And we just pray in Thanksgiving for your time. And as we always end, remember, be, be a man, man, be a, a saint. saint. Thanks for watching. Thank you.